isn't this what makes us different? So then why is it in life? We live like he isn't, cause if it's just a religion, then that's me in the corner. I'm leaving that behind. Really, it's about faith. Great love takes time. It's so much more than... Good morning. Come on, good morning. All right, anybody excited this morning? Yeah. Somebody's not happy. All right, lean in. Lean in a minute. Lean in a minute. Father, we just ask you for your anointing, for your grace on this message, for your grace on your people, for your grace on this word, for your grace on this church today, God. We ask you to be with us, God, to speak to us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to reset us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's the quote this morning. Failing is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently, more gracefully, more perfectly. Say that again? Okay. Failing is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently, more gracefully, more perfectly. We started a series last week on the book of Philippians. We titled the series Face Down. See, because Philippians is a letter written to the church and written to the leaders at Philippi, and it's about finding joy in Christ, finding joy in who we are and then sharing that joy because it's only after we come to God face down. Listen, with all of our shortcomings, with all of our failures, with all of our baggage, with all that we've done wrong, with all that, that, that we can start to get a glimpse of God's resetting grace. So I want to share a message with you today titled God's Resetting grace. Anybody need to hear that today? Because you see, when you truly find that joy, you, you find yourself face down in gratitude, in admiration, in worship, in praise, in thanksgiving. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've become, God's resetting grace is new every morning. Who needed that? His grace is new every morning. Listen, Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen? 
See, when you get that, when you even start to understand that, you, you find yourself in one of two positions. One is either with your head down, face down, just humbled before God, or the other is just with your hands raised and your face looking toward heaven. Both are, are a sign of just, of just being spiritually face down. Amen? Now listen, I'm not talking about planking anymore. That was, that was last week. Let's, let's leave that to those that can lie down and still be able to get back up. Amen? For the, for the rest of us, I'm just talking about face down. Sometimes we just need to bow our heads. We just need to reset ourselves. Amen? That's why you'll you hear Mark come up and pray in the morning and he'll just ask you, listen, can we just bow our heads for a moment? Because when you bow your heads, it's like a, it's like a reset. Anybody understand that? It's like a reset. It's like, it, it, it just stops everything for a moment and, and it's a reset. And you know what else I found that is so awesome about being face down with your head bowed? And that's key and that we're going to jump into this morning. When you're face down... You're not looking at anybody else. When you're face down, you, you can't notice what anybody else is doing. You're not focusing on anybody else. Church, sometimes we get so caught up in what everyone else is doing or not doing, and we let it dictate what we do or what we don't do. When we just bow our heads, when we, when we put our faces down, it's like a reset, man. It's like, you know, we, 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 we speak to ourselves when you bow your head. I don't know about you, maybe I'm crazy, but, but when I bow my head, I start to speak to myself usually before I speak to God. And I say, wait a minute, you know, what am I doing? Am I, am I imitating somebody else that I shouldn't be copying? Or, God, am I just trying to be more like you? You know, I got my eyes on people again. I'm focusing on what they're doing. I'm focusing on what they're not doing. And, God, I need to be focused on what you want me to do. Do, right? It's like a reset. And listen, I, I want to teach you a simple reset today that you can do anywhere. Um, some of you may know outside of here I work in IT. How many of you love your IT people at, at, at work? Come on, me and Elvis are IT guys. Come on, show us some love. Now, you know in IT or in whatever field that you work in, when your computer goes down, when something gets messed up and you call IT, what's the first thing they tell you? Restart? Right? How many of you that really gets you upset? <laughs> Let me, the first thing an IT will tell you is turn it off, turn it back on. And what happens? Can I tell you a trade secret? 80 to 90% of every problem that you have, once you reset, it works again, right? You, you hate to hear it, but doesn't it work? Most of the time, 80 to 90%, we, we don't tell you that to, to get you upset or to aggravate you or because we don't believe that you didn't do anything to mess things up. We do that because, listen, 80 to 90% of the time, when you shut down, when you come back up, it resets the problem. It puts everything back the way that it was originally intended to be. Oh, man. This... I want to I wanna teach you how to do a simple reset of your spiritual lives. Watch this. Just bow your heads a moment. 
Just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute, a, a second or two. You know what this does? This tells the person next to you, listen, what you have to say right now is not that important. This tells the, pre- the people around you, uh, listen, I'm trying to do something here. I'm here for, I'm not here to hang out with you. I'm not here to come meet with you. I'm not, I'm here because I need God. I'm here because I, I need, so I need somebody to speak to me besides you because you want to talk about boberias and I, I need to talk about the spiritual things in my life. I need direction. I need advice. I need counsel. I need to hear from God. I need life giving words, not the gossip that, 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 that we're, that we're dealing with in this row. So when we do a, a, a reset like this, when we just go face down, we're saying, listen, I'm, I'm serious right now. Can you shut up? And, and you know what? You can do this anywhere, anywhere, just for a second or two. I've done it on the train. I've done it on the bus. I've done it, you know, at work you can't do it too long because you get in trouble, right? But you can do it a two or three second, you know, just as long as you keep moving and it doesn't look like you fell asleep. People will leave you alone for a second. They'll give you some grace. And it's just a reset. Amen? And listen, I love that word reset. I I actually looked it up, right? Because it's such a complicated word, right? You ready for the definition? It is so deep. The definition of reset, it says to set again. Mm. Or, there's two definitions. Or to set differently. Reset, to set again or to set differently. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to reset my focus. Sometimes I need to reset my vision. I need to reset my goals. Anybody, anybody need to reset your dreams sometimes? You, you found you've gone months and months with, with nothing happening or with just bad things happening. And you say, wait, whoa, 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 I need to reset my goals. I need to reset what I'm doing. You find yourself becoming something that you're not. You find yourself leaning towards. You find yourself around. You find. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to reset kind of my, my ambitions. I need to reset my attention. How many of you sometimes you need to reset your devotion? You need to reset your commitment. We need to reset our love. Listen, reset brings everything back to the way it was supposed to be before you mess with it. Reset sets things again differently if needed. Let me give you an example. Anybody ever broken a bone? What's the first thing you do when you go to the doctor? Yeah, I saw people's faces go. They need to reset the bone. How many have experienced that? When you break a bone and by the time you get to the, to the hospital, the first thing they do is they need to take that bone. It could be your arm. It could be a finger. It could be a leg. And the, what they need to do is reset that bone. Listen, even though they know that it's going to hurt you, even though resetting the bone might hurt just as much, if not more, than breaking it in the first place. Sometimes they have to re-break it to reset it. Oh, if this ain't getting spiritual, you, you, you're cold. Y'all are cold. Y'all need to reset some other things. Sometimes they have to re-break it to reset it. Because listen, if they left it just like that, 
If they left it just like that, it'll never be as strong as it was supposed to be because it's not in the position that it was designed to be in. Ah, let's just pray and go home. Listen, some of us have had our hearts broken. Some of us have had our faith broken. We've had our trust broken. We've had our hopes broken. We've had our love broken. Listen, when God gave me this message on Thursday night, I, I was feeling this, this, I got this picture and this painful feeling as I was typing these words. And listen, I'm believing for some supernatural resetting here today. God wants to reset those things. Listen, the love of God is a resetting grace. I love that. Can you receive that today? God, God resets His grace. Listen, you could have been, you could have been in Christ a thousand years. Well, obviously you can't, but you know what I'm saying. You could be a Christian a long time. And, and, and you could know better. Right? And you can still be doing things that you know better, that you shouldn't be doing. But, but God is like not doing all these numbers and all this math. And that's how we think sometimes. And God is this calculating God. But God, is, God has one button, man. And, and when you come to Him, He resets. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give Him. He resets. There's a button, God. He resets. God, listen, God has one fault. Then we'll get letters for this. He's very forgetful. The word says that he takes our sins and throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. Listen, that's not like you and I. You do me wrong, I'll remember for the rest of my life. As good a Christian as I could be, as good a pastor as I could be, I'm, I got your number. I remember. Right? I'm not, I forget some things, but there's some things I will not forget. I might not treat you differently. I might still love you. I mean, I'm supposed to. Amen? But God says He forgets. He has a resetting grace. God's love resets. God's love sets things again differently. Now listen, the problem is that we've allowed ourselves to be broken and to remain broken for so long that we think we okay. We think, listen, that happened a long time ago. I'm on, that's, that took care of itself. That, that, you know, that already got fixed. How do you know that it's not fixed? Listen to me carefully. When you can't love somebody without judgment, when you can't get along with people, something's broke. When you, when you can't even love yourself because of the things that you know about yourself, your love is broken. When, when you can't be happy for other people, when, when, when you can't put other people's feelings before your own, something in you is broken. When you can't forgive, your love needs to be reset. When you, when you, can't, when you can't forgive people, man, you, your, your grace needs to be reset. Family, when you can't trust, now this one is tricky, because unlike love, trust is something that's earned. The Word teaches us that because God, God says He that's faithful with the little, right? 
So God teaches us that. So, but, but, but when you can't even trust someone who hasn't given you any reason not to trust them, when you can't trust anyone or anything, when you can't even trust God because of something that someone else has done to you, something's broken, needs to be reset. We need the resetting grace of God on that. Family, when you're cynical and pessimistic about everything, something needs to be reset. God didn't wire you that way. When that carries over into your faith, something needs to be reset. When you think that the bad things that happen in your life are because God is mad at you, something needs to be reset. You need the resetting grace of God. Amen? Because you haven't understood His resetting grace yet. If that's what you're, you're thinking now. Church, there might be some pain in this. There might be some tears in this. There might be some screaming, some yelling, some kicking. But my prayer today is that there's going to be some resetting. So let's pick up where we ended last week in Philippians. Paul prays for the church. He prays for the church's leaders and for his people in Philippians 1, verses 9 to 11. If you've got your, your, your smartphones, your Bibles, whatever, you can look there. Philippians 1, he, his prayer is this. He says, and this is my prayer. We, 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 I prayed it over you last week. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that you may be able to discern what's best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So Paul prays for the people that they would abound in love more and more, that we would have wisdom and discernment to make the right choices. And that we would have the ability to follow through. How many of you know knowing the right choices is one thing, but actually following through is a whole other different thing, right? That we would have the, the discernment to make the right choices and then the ability to follow through and present ourselves blameless, pure and blameless before Christ. Now church, understand this. The only way to present yourselves to God pure and blameless is to come under the resetting grace of Jesus. Nobody here is good enough. Not one of you have been righteous enough. Not one of us, the Word says, not one of us is sinless. Not one of us is pure. Not one of us can, 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 uh, can be good enough. So the only way to be pure and blameless is to come under the resetting grace that Jesus gives us. Listen, that faithful love whose mercies are new every morning. Now, the interesting thing is, is not so much, it's awesome that he says this, but the interesting thing is where Paul is writing this letter from. So ask me, where's he writing a letter from? I love you guys. You always ask the good questions. He says in verse 12, Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi from Rome. Now, is he a tourist in Rome visiting and sipping lattes and, and, and taking pictures? Or maybe they drew pictures. I don't know what they did back then, right? No, Paul is in prison. He's locked up. He wrote Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians. He wrote them in prison. Locked up. And he's saying, he, and what did he do to get locked up? He's preaching the gospel. He's telling people the truth 
people who ain't ready to deal with the truth. And so he's preaching and praying about an abundant love, and he's locked up because of that love. Does that challenge anybody's theology here today? He says, look what he says in verse 13. He says, all the soldiers here, and he's, he's, he's amped up. He's in prison and he's writing this letter and he's amped up, full of love and praying that we'd have more love. He says, all the soldiers here, man, everyone else too, they found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah and that piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Paul is excited about being in prison. How many of you share that excitement? I'm so amped to get locked up and be in prison so I can share with the warden. See, but, but understand what's happening here. Every time Paul gets brought before another court, because, you know, nobody wants to rule on him and be the one that came against this man. So every, every time he's brought before another court or another set of leaders or another set of rulers and high officials, he, they have to hear the reason that he was locked up for. And so every time he was asked to explain it, people heard the gospel. <laughs> every time he came before a court, he got to minister to the whole court. Because they had to hear the reason he was locked up for. And he said the gospel was heard and lives were changed. And so if you, if you read on there, he goes on to say, and now some people, they're preaching the gospel. And some with good motives and some with, for the wrong reasons. But I don't care, Paul says. All that matters to me is that the gospel is being preached. Paul was so hardcore committed. He, he says, and, I mean, church, we complain, don't we? We complain about so many things. We're like, wow, wow. We're like little babies crying about every little thing, complaining. Paul is locked up in prison. And look what he says in verse 20. I can hardly wait to continue my course. <laughs> Either this guy's on some serious drugs or he's got some serious Jesus in him. Amen? He says, I can hardly wait to continue my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. Now, understand, he has good reason to believe that he's going to die, because that's what they did to in Rome to prisoners. Christians, nonetheless. They killed them. They were, they're looking for a reason to execute him. So he, he has every reason to believe he's going to die. But look what he says. He says, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. <laughs> he's like, they gave me a pulpit. They brought me to a stand in front of everybody again and again and again. He's getting to minister to officials, to, 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 to Caesar, to Nero. He's getting to minister to these people. Every time they bring him, they give him a pulpit. And he gets to say, well, the reason I'm here. Because there was a man, there was a, there's a God that became flesh, that lived on the earth to understand us and to know us. And, and he, he took upon the law and he met the law perfectly, this law that you guys are trying to keep. And, and he became the law and he died so that we can live. And every time he, he gets brought before, he gets to preach the gospel. Amen. So he says, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. He says, verse 21, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his reward. 
Life versus even more life. He says, I can't lose family. See, the American church has been damaged by too much good preaching. We've heard for too long an unbalanced message. God wants us to be rich. God wants us to be happy. And God wants us to be successful. Isn't that good preaching? How many are like, I received that? Right? I could have started with that, and you'd be like, I receive it. Woo! Hallelujah! Santo! I, I feel the, uh, the rich anointing falling on me. I feel the, the, the anointing of success coming on me. Woo! I, I feel it. I feel it. And that's so easy preaching, man. That's good preaching, right? We've been damaged by that good preaching. Listen, there's so many, the problem is there's so many amen scriptures to back up those statements that we can be totally convinced that all God wants for us is to be rich, happy, and successful. That's a good message. That'll preach anywhere in the world. Now, the the thing about that, though, is that there's some seasons when you count yourself rich, happy, and successful. Anybody been there? And I praise God for those times. You know, like, you know those things where, where something happens and you actually have the money to pay for it and you're like, you know, it's like, yeah, praise God. I, I don't, like, maybe you don't count yourself rich, but, but you know, when you have money just to pay for something, it could be the littlest thing. You're like, you could, I consider myself rich sometimes, amen? Or, or when something goes right, you're like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. You know, and and you're in that anointing, right? You feel, but the problem is when the seasons come that we're not rich, when the seasons come when we're not happy, when the seasons come when we're not successful, then we we rely on all this good preaching and, and we say, well, then God must not love me. God must not be happy with me. God must hate me. He must want to punish me. Anybody, anybody ever been there? He must, he must, um, when, 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 when things are no good, it must be because maybe I'm no good. This is probably happening because I let God down too many times. I blew it too many times. God is done with me. Anybody ever felt that? God's done with me. <laughs> Reset. Reset today. Reset, church. Face down for a minute. Reset. See, the problem is not a misinterpretation of those scriptures. The problem is, listen, we're believing God's word, but we're using the world's definition of those words. See, God's rich isn't the same as the world's rich. So when we believe God's word but put the world's definitions on it, we are totally screwed up. Because we say, God wants me to be rich, but I can't pay the bills this month. But God's rich is not the world's rich. And, and listen, what God calls joy, the world knows nothing about. Here's a perfect example. Paul is locked up with the possibility of being executed, and he's saying this getting locked up in Rome is a total success. <laughs> I'm locked up and loving it. 
It's a total success. He says, I'm sharing with the soldiers. I'm sharing with the government officials who have never, they would have never listened to me share the gospel, but now they're locked in a room with me forced to hear it. See, church, we need to reset our definitions. Amen? We need to reset our theology. Verse 22, he says, as long as I'm alive in this body, there is good work for me to do. Paul's attitude If I'm killed here, awesome, I'll be with God. If I get out of here and live, awesome, I'll be with you guys and we'll worship God. Either way, I win. And so so he tells them, listen, church, family of Philippi, whether I come back to you or not, whether I get out of here or not, he says in verse 27, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. Family, we need to get that. Live in such a way. Church, it's not about you. Can you like get, get past this? It's not about you. So many of us, we come to church for the wrong reasons, man. We come to church about me. It's about me. I'm coming to church so I can get some. I'm coming to church so I can get some of this, so I can get some of that, so I can get. And it's all about me and me and me. And when you don't get it, then, then church is not working. But that's not church. We're the body of Christ. And it's about God. The message is God. So Paul says, live in such a way that you're, that you're a credit to the message of Christ. Another version says this, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Paul is saying, the way you live, let it, let it, let it count that I'm probably gonna die for it. Let it matter to you, let it count. Worship team, come on, let's give them some hope that I'm done. Chapter 2 starts with this, and I'll end with it. Listen, listen to this verse. Last one for the day. Chapter 2 starts with this, I'll end with it. Paul, Paul this is like a, a plea from Paul to the church of Philippi. He says, if you have gotten anything at all, out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me one favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. And be deep-spirited friends. Church, that's... You hear what the Word is saying? Agree with each other. So many times we, we choose the other road. We say, well, you know what? We agree to disagree. Keep it stepping. Right? And, then, and the problem is that sometimes we have to do that to keep peace. And sometimes we have to do that because of the level of maturity that we're at. But that's not where it stays. He says, agree with each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Let me hit you with the King James version of that one. Fulfill ye my joy, Paul says, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in the lowliness of mind let each one esteem others better than yourselves. Family, I understand that for that to truly happen, some broken things are going to have to be reset. 
If we're going to love each other, if we're going to agree with each other, if we're going to be of one accord, of one mind, then we're going to really have to get a hold of this God's resetting grace. And we're going to have to get into the habit of weekly, daily, hourly resets. Because how many of you know things happen, right? You leave here and you could be all fired up, say, oh, I can't wait to be a Christian. And you get outside and somebody... You step on, on somebody's dog poop that they didn't clean up. Or you, you, you step on gum that somebody spit out and now you have it in the carpet of your car and you, and you're, everything changes, right? Somebody cuts you off or, or they, they, the waiter doesn't bring the food quick enough or they bring the food and it's cold or they bring the wrong food and, and ah, we, we turn into these beasts, right? We were just worshiping a minute ago. We were just face down a minute ago. We were just crying in the spirit a minute ago. But we turned into these monsters when we leave. And then that's the rest of the week. The rest of the week is downhill. We don't make it to prayer. I don't, I don't feel like praying this week. Get the hell. Right? And then, so then we figure out, we'll start again next, next Sunday. Oh, but next Sunday is my cousin's birthday's communion, cousin's friend's neighbor, and I promised I was going to be there, so I'm not going to be there either. And, and, and you understand, like, we just go so... F- we need resets all the time. Every time that thought comes up, reset. Every time something telling you, oh, I want to, I feel like doing it, reset, bow your head. Every time you feel like doing something you know, you feel like calling somebody you shouldn't be calling, you feel like doing something you shouldn't be doing, reset. Bow your head for a second, close your eyes, reset. Just get into the habit of these resets. I, I guarantee you the resets work. When you bow your head and just call out to God, He'll, he'll answer. When you bow your head and close your eyes and focus, He'll answer. He'll be there. God says He, he inhabits the praises of His people. When you just pray for a second, when you just reset for His God, I don't have time for a three-hour prayer right now. I'm about to slap this dude. Whew. You look at him and smile. Say, you just, God just saved you to beat down on your life. God just saved you the chancletazo that you, you don't understand what God just delivered you from. Be blessed, man. Right? Reset. Reset. Get into the habit of that, church. Because God's grace is a resetting grace. And we, we have to get to the point where we can start to understand that it's not about you or what you did. It's about Him and what He did for you. I want you to watch this video for a second. Turn around, uh, worship team. Watch this video. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us. His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, no, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? 
I love you, yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. Yeah. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. We just bow our heads for a moment. Family, would you understand that even at your best, God has already seen your worst? And he still offers that resetting grace. I want to say to the church this morning what Paul said to that church. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in, in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me one favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Can we just worship for a moment? Hallelujah. Your mercy reigns. Your mercy covers me. Your grace sustains, your grace 
Receive today. Your grace is all I mercy. 